Genesis 18, starting with verse 17. Church, let's be a conduit. I've already had all kind of comments about this. It was, Norm, what was yours? Horton, here's a who. Horton, here's a who. Um, Sam, where's Sam Kessler? Where's he, where's he at? He's outside. All right, he said it looked like a business end of a distillery right here. On this <laughs> spot right here. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I'm too spiritual for them kind of thoughts. I would have never thought of that. All right, Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verses 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I am going to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. This is the thought. God's saying, if I give it to Abraham, it ain't just going to be one and done. It's not just going to go to him and then that be all. It's not just going to go to him and he dies and when he dies and there's nothing left. God's saying that man will be a conduit. What I give to him, he will make sure others receive as well. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which has been spoken to him. Father, take the words that we will speak here this day, and I'm praying, God, it will be a help and a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. In Israel, the Jordan River which starts at Mount Hermon, way to the north, it eventually flows into the Sea of Galilee, which is, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, that is the picture postcard view, the Sea of Galilee. Being in Magdala, the city where Mary Magdalene grew up, and I can still, I can, perfect view this place where we stayed had a nice big backyard with a patio and flowers and everything was beautiful. And you could sit out there and you could look and see the expanse of, of seven miles to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then you could look from one end and couldn't quite see the other end as it went from north to south. Uh, it went 14 miles. Beautiful, beautiful area. What makes it so is that there's a conduit. That Jordan River is flowing and bringing the blessings that the land of Israel needs. And as it flows into the Sea of Galilee to the north, to the south, there is a place for it to be able to keep right on flowing. And it will flow until it gets to the Dead Sea. And at the Dead Sea, everything stops. It's dead. That's the name. It's stagnant. It's the lowest place on the planet. 
It's the deadest place on the planet. And the reason is easy is because there's not a conduit on the south side of the Dead Sea for the Jordan River to flow through. All it does is receive and it never gives any of it away. A conduit is a channel to convey water. Vince Sharp would tell you it's a channel to convey electrical wires in his line of work. It is a pipe to convey water. And let me tell you something. If you want to be dead, refuse to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through your life and you will be dead. God said, I know Abraham. He will be a conduit for all the blessings that I'm giving him. It will flow through him and other people will be ministered by that. And thank God that has been exactly right. Abraham's nephew Lot, on the other hand, was much like the Dead Sea. His idea was get all I can and can all I get and sit on the rest. Abraham was a conduit and he flowed. Lot was plugged up on one end and he was stagnant. And think of the Jewish people as being a conduit. To where the Bible, every word, and they're not real certain about Luke. He might have been a Gentile, but they don't really know. But we might as well say every word written, written by a Jewish person. All the prophets, Jewish individuals. The New Testament church, Jewish. The disciples, Jewish. Our Savior, Jewish. God blessed Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and said, I will be a blessing to you and everything, everybody that blesses you in turn will be blessed. Everybody that curses you in turn will be cursed. Bob Helm was here a few weeks ago at a wedding that I did and in the foyer, he grabbed me around the neck and he said, Preacher, I just want you to know you've been, a, you've been a blessing to this community. And then he said these words, that's better than being a curse. And I really think every person on the top side of the world, that is what they're going to bring to the table, either a blessing or a curse. We read in John chapter 1 about Jesus Christ literally leaving heaven to come to this planet. And what was Jesus? He was a conduit to bring God's forgiveness to whosoever will. And I've told this story, and some of you have heard the, have, I'm telling you, you've heard this story 89 times. But don't be like Brenda Belangie. I told a story, I don't know, a few years back, and after the service, she said, if you tell that story one more time, I'm going to puke. <laughs> the man's family would get up every Sunday morning, would go to church. They would beg him to go. No, I'm not going to church. 
I cannot believe that Jesus would have left heaven, took upon himself the form of a man, and died for the sins of the world. I can't believe that. One, one, er, one early Sunday morning, it was in the wintertime, he, he has got his, his paper, he has got his coffee, he is tucked back in his chair, and it's snowing outside, and off his family goes to church after begging him to go. No, I will not go. Cannot believe it. About that time, he's ready to read the paper. Bang! Scared him to death. Looked around, couldn't find out what, was, what, what it was. Picks up the paper again. Bang! Now he just leaves the paper down and he's watching. They've got this picture window right there in the living room wall. He's tucked there in his lazy boy with the fire going. And it's nice and comfy and cozy with his coffee and his paper. And he sees it happen then. Bang! It's a blackbird flying right in to that window. We got some cardinal birds around here that fly right into this foyer area over here, right into the window. George says, watch this. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Bang! It's like the same bird will get up and shake his head. Bang! Go right to it again. That's what's going on. Bang! Bang! The guy gets up. He gets dressed. He gets some, bur he gets some uh, uh, breadcrumbs and goes outside, and he's trying to get the birds to go into the building that he's got. He opens the door. He makes a little breadcrumb trail, and everything he's trying to do is scaring these blackbirds. And he finally has a thought. If I could become a bird, I could show these birds they need to get to that building. And it was like an explosion within him. That's what Jesus did. He had to become a man to come to this world so that we could see what he was and what he did and the, the, the death that he died for whosoever will. Jesus as a conduit came to this planet. Let me just pick on the young people. Young people, you'll never be happy in life until you're a conduit. And I know we live in a culture that everybody wants to be served and nobody wants to do a lick of work and everybody just wants to be waited on hand and foot, but that never brings happiness. I don't care what somebody else tells you. You got to be a conduit. We see this every, every time we have communion. I see this. It is a conduit. The men and women, they take the elements. They, they themselves, they take them. They go over here and they stand. They go over there and stand. And then everybody comes along and receives what they are giving out. It's the same thing. You've got to do that in your life. Be a conduit through which God can channel good things in your life. A few months ago, while praying on a Wednesday night, praying for Juanita Arbuckle, I seen this pipe in my spirit. I'm praying for her, and I see this pipe running across the, the, the ceiling of this building. And what it, it just, just really was birthed within me, and it wasn't nothing that I was praying for her about. It was like, this is what Israel has been to the whole world. A conduit starting way up here and going down to the whole world. And then I had this thought, that is what the church is to be. 
We're to be a conduit starting way up where nobody's seen it. And I, that I walked in, I seen people as a uh, Derek May for one. I seen him as he seen this. And then he looked, he's standing under, underneath the balcony there. And, and then he looked and then he got out from underneath the balcony to where he could see where this thing started. There may be something in your life that God got started a long time ago that now people are seeing and seeing what's going on in your life. But God started a long time ago. God started a long time ago when nobody was even looking. George, if you would, George is going to pour some water in this. Those of you that's right underneath where it connects, just <laughs> hope that works out. <clears throat> he started pouring already quite some time ago. <clears throat> there we go. 30, roughly 30 seconds. We've already tested it. I knew it wasn't going to leak on your head. <laughs> 30 seconds from the time he started pouring until it hit here. 30 seconds. It may be that whatever, well, we'll take Paul, for instance. Paul was converted. His name was Saul then. God had, he had a, a tremendous conversion experience. He was saved. He went to the back, to the back side of the desert. Uh, that's a BD degree right there. The back side of a desert for three years in Arabia. And God, the Holy Spirit, taught this man what he was going to write and what he was going to preach. Three years later, he comes up on the scene and now he is ready to display and, uh, and to show forth and to, in, in, in spirit and power, give everything that God had given him all over this three years time here's why I know I keep going over this side more into more youngsters over here here is why that in early in your life God may place something but it may take a period of years weeks months years to be able to finally for everyone to see what God was doing in your life a long long time ago you know we're into instant things Instant pudding, instant coffee, instant what else? Instant oatmeal, what else? Instant potatoes. I was, I'd been married 15 years before I ever found out that potatoes really didn't come in a box. All right, I'm not going to be able to do everything I was wanting to do in this sermon. But I want to give you this. I'm going to give you two things, and I'm going to be done. I got a whole lot more, but we'll save that. Shirley Beerman, that attends the Centralia branch, and this has been back, I want to guess, three years ago. She'd went into a place of business, and a young woman had waited on her. And Shirley invited that young woman to church. And that young woman named Mary Williams 
And a lot of you know who Mary is. Mary has, she was converted. She helped, started helping with, uh, with uh, kids camp. She helped with Seeds of Faith camp. Mary, after she was converted, confided in Shirley Bierman that she was on the verge of committing suicide. Felt her life wasn't going anywhere. And Shirley invited her to church. She showed up. She was saved. She made new friends. Uh, right? Mary was here in the church about two months ago. And she said, Mark, she wanted to meet with me and Kay. So I just want you to know that, uh, that I'm moving to St. Louis. I've got a job. I'm a school teacher now uh, working, with, working with kids. And she really felt that's what her heart was after she started going to church here and having, going, helping with the kids' camps and, and doing all of that. Let me tell you something about being a conduit. It could be a matter of life and death. It was for Mary. Thank God Shirley Bierman that day went out of her way and got out of her comfort zone to share with someone who she didn't even know. Didn't even know. But she was a conduit of God's grace that reached Mary. I'll give you something else on this story. Mary's brother, who lives in Phoenix, Arizona, came to the Centralia branch and was born again. Went back to Arizona and is going to a great church out in Phoenix, Arizona. It's that conduit. Give you another one. Tom Murphy, Stephanie's hubby. He wrote a letter to Kay and myself, and there's a lot of personal things in here. Um, I'd read him, but he's bragging on me and Kay, so I don't want Kay to get the big head. So <laughs> if, it was, if he just bragging on me, I'd go ahead and read it. But uh, Tom says, I just wanted to take a little time to say thank you for such a wonderful church. I felt like I was definitely headed down the wrong path the way I was going. I never grew up in a church-going family. I can't recall ever going to church with my parents when I was younger. I do remember, however, going to a couple Baptist churches and Lutheran churches a few times when I was in my early high school years, but I never really felt welcome anywhere. In September 2006, I lost my mom. I guess I was a mama's boy, you could say. She passed at a young age of 56, and it was very unexpected. I believe that this sent me into a downward spiral. I already smoked at the time, but I began to drink a lot. I think that when she died, it left a big hole in my heart, so I tried filling that hole with alcohol. Me and Stephanie seemed to be getting into more arguments more often, and I felt like our family was slipping away. Stephanie started attending Orchardville Church. She constantly tried getting me to come to church with her, but for some reason, I'd just blow her off. I felt something telling me to go to church one day with Stephanie. I finally gave in, and I went to check it out. I'll never forget when I walked into Orchardville Church for the first time. I was greeted by a short oriental man named George Thomason. <laughs> he gave me a tour of the whole church and it was overwhelming. I couldn't believe how, how big it was and why everyone was so nice to me. I seemed to be shaking hands constantly. It was amazing to me. 
I had never experienced anything like that in my life. Now, I don't remember the exact date, but I remember the name of the message that day that I asked salvation into my life. The message was, how's your heart? I looked that up. That was July 29th, 2007. We brought Stephanie's dad that day to check out the church. At altar call, I felt a warm feeling come over me, so I told her dad about it. He told me that it was Jesus calling me. See, it's good to have a smart father-in-law like that. So I proceeded to go to the altar, and I accepted Jesus into my life. It was an awesome feeling. Later, I was baptized with my daughter, Taylor. That was, I believe, the best feeling in my life. I knew that I was being cleansed from my past, and my daughter was right there with me. It was an awesome experience. I'm now attending Orchardville Church, Centralia Branch, on a weekly basis with my whole family. I've broken out of my shell that I was living in, and I'm currently working every other weekend with Orchardville Church kids and play drums on the praise team every Wednesday night. I'm very proud of the man that I have become, and I want to thank you, Orchardville Church, and I believe that this church rescued me, Tom Murphy. That's good. That's good. That's good. George, one more time, let's do that. If this plastic container was moved, That may have been the, uh, was that Karen Wason throwing that fit back there? No? Don Tucker was in the baptism class today, and he told me this has been a long time coming for him. He said these words, I just felt like. I had to be in the right place. That thing could be just a few feet over and miss it. Had to be in the right place. God told Elijah, get to the river, told him the name of the river, you get there, and I'll send ravens to feed you. If he'd have got a mile down the road, he wouldn't have got fed. If he'd been a mile the other way, he wouldn't have got fed. God said, get to the river. Chebar, I think, was the river. Get there. And when you're there, I'll feed you. I can't speak for everybody else, but I know for me, Orchardville Church is the place for me to be. And if I'm there, God will feed me there. Amen. It's the right place for me to receive. Father, we ask and pray for this part of the service right now, dear God. You know the heart of every person here. I would not presume to know anyone's heart other than my own. And I ask and pray, Lord, that if there's someone here that they've never said yes to you, we're praying, God, that today is going to be the day 
that they're going to receive you near and dear as Savior in their heart. There are Christian people, Lord God, here today that want to be that conduit of God's grace just in a similar fashion of just what Shirley did that day, of just simply inviting Mary to go to church. Put that upon people's hearts, Lord, if they've never done anything like that. Or, Lord, at one time they did it, and now, Lord, it's cold and indifferent, and they could care less if they invited someone or not. Warm that up within them. In Jesus' name we're praying. Amen. Let's all stand. Those are two accounts. Someone that never said yes to Jesus. Another, be a conduit of God's grace where God can work through you to minister to someone else. Number three, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We got things to pray about. It's up to you whether you pray. I can't force you. I'm not going to make you. It's up to you whether you pray. These altars are now open. Come right on as they sing. Come on. Your favor, 
myself first started dating back 48 years ago <laughs> we drive down the road and it looked like two people driving one car I mean she was just right there on the steering wheel almost just right there with me years later she said, I don't know what's happened to us. We used to just be so close together when we drive down the road. And I looked over at her and I said, I'm where I've always been. That's right. That's right. You know, a person can say, yeah, I love Jesus. And I got Jesus in my heart. And wonderful, wonderful thing. But I think, I think it's important as well to not only be have Jesus in your heart, I'm sure I was in her heart, even though she had to where she's now on the other side of the vehicle. She's still, I was still in her heart, but the place had changed. Got Jesus in your heart, thank God, hallelujah. But let's just be right there up close, right next to him. And I think part of the way to do that is within the local church. Jesus loved the church so much he gave himself for it. Amen. Amen. Jesus loved so much, the church so much he died for the church. Amen. Amen. It's not, well, I love Jesus and I just stay home. No, it's more than just, yeah, it's nice, you know, for Kay to have me right there in her heart but it's nicer for her to just be right there. Not way over there. Seatbelt law. <laughs> What'd she say? Seatbelt. Oh yeah. I can sit in the driveway that way. I'm done. <laughs> Good to have you all here this morning. Uh, share your faith with someone this week. Be a conduit. No telling what God can do if you are a conduit. Amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. 
If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus